make a big noise playing in the street gonna be a big man someday you got mud on your face you big disgrace kicking your can all over the place singing we will we Is anybody alive out there? Is anybody alive out there? Keep checking. Keep checking. Is anybody alive out there? Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Rachel Harris has it. out there off of Jack Tatum and into the man of the year Franco Harris's hands here's the miracle of all miracles from out of nowhere came Franco Harris riding a white stallion heading up Franco's Italian army and galloping off into the sunset and that call beckoned the airwaves back in 1972 as we celebrate 50 years since that spectacular play took place, the Immaculate Reception, and three days shy of that 50-year anniversary, the incredible running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Franco Harris, passes away at the age of 72. And when you look at that play, that is one of the most memorable we can remember from years past and it was a sad week thinking of Franco Harris because back in 1972 he was a catalyst to much of the Steelers success four Super Bowl titles with the Pittsburgh Steelers four rings a key contributor a big bulky running back a guy that you went to every chance you could get because he was always going to find a way to win you the game. And we open up the Sports Buzz episode number 11, this pre-Christmas episode as we come to you live on this Friday, December 23rd, the year 2022, with the famous call from Kurt Gowdy and Howard Cosell, courtesy of NBC Sports, as we discuss the 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and the sad passing of Franco Harris this past Tuesday at the age of 72. And who better to bring on right now my broadcast partner, Andy Loigu, who... I'm sure was very stunned by this news earlier this week. Good evening, Andy. Good evening. Yes, yeah, stunned uh, is putting it lightly. Uh, shocked <laughs> might be uh, uh, more appropriate, especially since uh, Franco uh, appeared like 
he was just going on with his life quite normally. In fact, he was talking about the uh, Immaculate Reception or Mad Dog just a few hours before he died. And uh, from what I've seen in uh, news accounts, uh, they say Franco died of natural causes. He may have, but, you know, 72 seems a little bit young to be dying of natural causes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it shocks me because, for one thing, uh, Franco and I are, I'm also 72. We were born in the same year. And Franco uh, grew up and played high school football not very far from where I am right now. He was in uh, Mount Holly Township, New Jersey, which is uh, just a little bit down Route 70 from where I am. He's a South Jersey guy. I've always liked my South Jersey players and kept up with what they're doing. He did have an awesome career. He's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Interesting thing about Franco is he was the first African-American as well as the first Italian-American to be named Super Bowl MVP. Uh, that's quite a distinction for him there. Yes, and he was born in Fort Dix, New Jersey, Andy Loigu, and his birthday is in the month of March. And listen, his final interview was with the Hall of Famer Christopher Mad Dog Russo on Sirius XM Channel 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio, on the anchor program Mad Dog Unleash, as Christopher Russo interviewed him for, I'd say, a good 30, 35 minutes this past Monday afternoon, which was his final interview before his passing. And if you go back and listen to that interview, Andy, he sounded okay. He did sound a little nasally at times. He sounded a little congested at times, but he seemed very alert. He seemed with it. He seemed very communicative in that interview. And then to wake up Tuesday morning and hear about the passing of Franco Harris, it really dampened the sports world and it really made a lot of people sad as we begin this Christmas holiday, because he was a giant in the sport. When you think of the earlier days of the NFL, you think of guys like Terry Bradshaw and Franco Harris and John Madden and all of the glory days that the sport had back then and all of the contributions he had to the sport and everything he did in a Steeler uniform is stuff that... We will never forget. I mean, he rushed for 12,120 yards in his 13-year stint in the NFL. He won four Super Bowl titles, and he was a key catalyst for their success. He was a big, bulky back. He was a hard-nosed player, and... Anytime you went to him, you could rely on him to get you big yardage situations and key scores when you needed a big-time win. Yeah, he also uh, was an outstanding uh, football player at Penn State under Joe Paterno, and he had great stats there, too, and the team did real well. Uh, they went uh, about 29-4, and 11-7, and 11 in wins. The three years he was there, 1969, as a sophomore of the Nittany Lions, he had 115 carries for 643 yards and 10 touchdowns, also 12 catches for 189 yards. In 70, he had 142 carries for 675 yards and 8 touchdowns, 6 catches for 66 yards. In 1971, 123 carries for 684 yards and 6 touchdowns. 10 catches for 97 yards on a touchdown. He was in the mid-600s in running yards three straight years. 
And he played in a backfield with Lydell Mitchell. Lydell Mitchell in 1971, when Franco was scoring six touchdowns, Lydell Mitchell had 29, which at the time was an NCAA record. And uh, Franco gave him a lot of big blocks on on a lot of those touchdowns. Uh, Franco had uh, quite a team they had at Penn State there. They won the uh, Orange Bowl in Franco's sophomore year, and they won the Cotton Bowl against the University of Texas. Penn State was an underdog in that game to finish off Franco's career. So he had some great years for Joe Paterno as well. And it was interesting. He was just the 13th pick in the first round. So it's not always the number one or number two picks who uh, end up in the Hall of Fame. Not even always the first rounder that ends up in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, again, uh, Franco was beloved by so many. Now, I remember Terry Bradshaw, and as you know, Terry Bradshaw's on TV all the time on Fox. And I remember him talking about that immaculate reception. It's only Terry Bradshaw could have experienced it. Terry Bradshaw did call a passing play for Frenchie Fuqua, and Franco was just supposed to be a blocking back. He was supposed to stay in and block. But then when the play happened, Franco told Bradshaw later on that Joe Paterno had always told his backs, when that ball is released, go chase the ball because anything could happen. And, boy, if, if that didn't come through for uh, Franco on that play. But Bradshaw, you know, was kidding uh, Franco. He says, you didn't make a block. I had to scramble because you didn't make a block. And Franco was like, oh, oops, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, Terry Bradshaw's experience of that play. Uh, you know, Franco was supposed to block, and Bradshaw had to uh, scramble. And, uh, you know, it's a funny thing, too, about 72, and I watched that game on TV. They didn't have all the camera angles and everything that you do now today. There was no conclusive camera shot that showed whether he trapped it or not. And it's just one of those things that's always going to be a mystery forever. Did he really trap it or did he, did he not? You know, the Raiders, of course, they swore that he trapped it. And it should have been an end of the game right there. But Franco uh, scooted in with it for the winning TD in a playoff game. That was an amazing play, all right. A 60-yard touchdown, 22 seconds to go, and a Steeler victory down 7-6. to They come back and win the game 13-7 with the immaculate reception and that 60-yard touchdown by Franco Harris, a play that will live in infamy and a play that will be remembered for a very, very long time. That ball was tipped by Jack Tatum, who was from Passaic, New Jersey. So that was a New Jersey involvement on that play there on the offensive end, defensive end. <laughs> and Chuck Knoll was the big-time head coach at the time, going up yes. against John Madden of the Raiders, Andy. So many memories we look back on when we talk about that 1972 Immaculate Reception game. Yeah. They all told in his three years at Penn State, he had 2,002 yards with 24 touchdowns at Penn State. And he wasn't even always the number one back. You know, he played with uh, Lydell Mitchell, who was a high-scoring high scoring back over there. And Franco was the, the number two back, you know, the fullback. He blocked as much as he ran, but he still got his yards. And he certainly got his yards with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was really happy for the Steelers when they won a Super Bowl because that was about the first time in over 40 years, I believe it was 42 years, uh, the Steelers had been one of the NFL's worst teams for a long time. 
But that certainly changed. He won the Super Bowl four out of the next six years when they had Franco and Bradshaw. And there are so many Hall of Famers that came off that team. I mean, Joe Green, you know, it was quite a group. And it is going to be deafening tomorrow night when the Steelers take on the Raiders in Pittsburgh for that defining matchup on Christmas Eve with playoff implications on the line as we get ready for Week 16 in the National Football League in a league where they play for pay. So that is going to be must-watch theater tomorrow night, Andy, between the Steelers and the Raiders. The sadness of the passing of... Franco Harris and his final interview again was with Christopher Mad Dog Russo on Sirius XM this past Monday as Dog started his show talking about the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and he got the key guy to come on for an interview and then hours later Franco Harris passed away and speaking of the NFL and speaking of Week 16, it did not start off well last night as the New York Jets were embarrassed by the Jacksonville Jaguars with an anemic offensive performance by their quarterback last night, Wilson, in a game where the Jets' offense just could not do anything on the football field. And Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars team right now, Andy, is destined to possibly make a run to the postseason. And Doug Peterson seems like he has found some magic with this Jacksonville team. He is making all of the right calls to get Trevor Lawrence to excel where he needs to to make for great play on the football field and competitive play for 60 minutes. And the Jets' postseason aspirations were pretty much lost last night in what was a 19-3 defeat by the Jacksonville Jaguars at a rainy MetLife Stadium with Amazon Prime and Al Michaels with the call for Thursday night football to start the long Christmas weekend. I did get to see that game on regular TV, you know, since it was New York. My comment on that game would simply be summed up with this phrase, supersize that barf bag. And listen, you know, we saw some promise with the Jets this season. We saw some strides. You felt positive that there could be an array of hope that they would possibly have a shot at getting to the postseason, but they lost a tough game in Minnesota. They, they've just had some tough losses of late. And last night, a game which they needed to win in a must-win situation, they go out there and they just couldn't get any offensive production Wilson is not a quarterback or franchise quarterback for this team. I think the Jets have a lot of decisions to make. Joe Douglas has done a good job as general manager, but with the Jets, the it's it's really been, been more job. about the defense. It's been more yeah, the about the defense. Been good. It's been good defense. The offense just keeps coming up short. 
you know, listen, for all you Jet fans out there who wanted to see the light at the end of the tunnel, unfortunately, you did not get that last night. And now the playoff hopes for the New York Jets have faded for the 2022 season and the 2023 postseason as the competition just gets tougher the next few weeks and many key games to hone in on for this week 16 in the National Football League and what a huge statement win for the New York Football Giants last Sunday night on national television against the Commanders as you had a fantastic defensive performance from Kayvon Thibodeau and you had a great offensive performance in what was some great throwing accuracy downfield by Daniel Jones and the Giants, Andy, who week in and week out have prided themselves with the ground game and the run game where they have found their success, were able to also show you that they can throw the football, that they can make some big plays when they have to, and that they can win football games with a tough, hard-nosed defense, but a quarterback in Daniel Jones, who many fans have lost trust in prior to the start of this season, maybe, maybe just may have turned the corner a little bit now and make themselves a legit team out of the NFC as they get ready to hopefully get into the postseason and play some tough football the next few weeks. Well, I was impressed with their run pass balance and, uh, also, that's the best that I've seen uh, that quarterback throw the ball. That's for sure. He was putting a nice spiral on the ball, and he was quite accurate. And uh, that that probably comes with confidence, you know. You, you experience some success, and some of the things uh, the coaches tell you that you buy into, and they're working, and uh, that's what you need. Uh, that, was, that was a good win for the Giants. Yes, it was. And now tomorrow they're got ready to take on a – Minnesota Vikings team that is all but pretty much notched up the NFC North and will win the NFC North and get ready for the postseason beginning in January. And this isn't really a huge win for the Giants. This isn't a huge game for the Giants. You're comfortable knowing that the win against the Commanders pretty much solidifies them a playoff spot. That win also guarantees Dallas a spot in the postseason. So the game for the Cowboys tomorrow against the Eagles will really not mean too much as the Eagles will more than likely get home field, get the one seed. I know Jalen Hurts will not play tomorrow. Rumor is Gardner Minshew will take to the football field and start the game for the Eagles, but it's uh, going to pretty much be a meaningless game for the Dallas Cowboys as the Eagles will pretty much get the one spot and Dallas will be playing with the hopes of getting the two spot. You know, the Giants have more to play for than Minnesota. Minnesota pretty much knows where it's going to finish uh, unless the Eagles collapse, (laughs) you know, but They've got their division title. Meanwhile, the Giants are just trying to stay in the hunt. So they've got a lot of motivation to keep uh, improving and playing uh, the best they can, you know? 
Absolutely, Andy. And some intriguing matchups this week as the New England Patriots fight for their life in this 2022 season as they come off of a devastating loss to the Vegas Raiders in the final play of a game where they were trying to do trickery downfield to win the game and there ended up being an interception and the Vegas Raiders ran it back for a touchdown and won the game and now if you're Bill Belichick you gotta win out the rest of the way to try and get into the postseason and that starts with a tough matchup tomorrow against the Cincinnati Bengals team who has found their offense who has played great defensively and are beckoning to win the AFC North for the second consecutive year in a row. Uh, people are uh, trying to decide which one was the worst play, that last play by the Patriots or the Jets' uh, butt fumble. <laughs> Where, uh, you, you remember that, that play well for sure. Yes. So that, that's right up there is one of the great blunders of uh, football history there. And the Buffalo Bills have clinched the playoffs. They are 11-3. and They hold the tiebreaker because they beat the Chiefs early on in the season. So the Chiefs right now are going to battle the Seahawks tomorrow in Kansas City, which will be a big game for them because they need to win the rest of the way and hope that the Bills lose one game so they can move up top and get the one seed and get home field throughout the AFC playoffs and the Chiefs and Bills are battling neck and neck Andy for the one two spot in the postseason yeah that Buffalo at Chicago game this week that's like the ultimate icebox game especially considering what's been going on with the weather um, but you know going back to Jacksonville and uh, and Lawrence there uh, he's got a good quarterbacks coach there in Doug Peterson I remember he was a starting quarterback for the Eagles as a player for a while and then he uh, coached the Eagles uh, to their Super Bowl win, and he had Carson Wentz there. And then when uh, he needed him, he really did a great job coaching Nick Foles into a Super he Bowl did, and quarterback. We all know the Philly special that was the highlight play in that Super Bowl win in 2018, and Doug Peterson became a a huge name because of that victory and how he molded that offense and lost a key catalyst in Wentz, but was able to bring Foles in and Foles ended up excelling in Peterson's system and history was made and the Eagles go on and win a Super Bowl title. And now he's looking like try to make a comeback, but he just ran out of time and the Eagles made a big defensive play at the end too by Brandon Graham. But, uh, yeah, the Eagles uh, led most of that game in the Philly special. That was a play uh, that the Eagles had uh, planned to use in an earlier playoff game since they beat Minnesota real badly in the uh, playoffs. Uh, They never used it. So they still uh, had it in their stable there. And at a critical point of the game, uh, Peterson decided to call it, and Foles was all excited about it, too. Foles, after on, said that was the turning point of the game. He credited the coach with having the guts to call that play. (laughs) 
when you look at Doug Peterson now with this Jacksonville team, Andy, a lot of what he did with Foles in that magical Super Bowl run, he is sort of instilling that same philosophy with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't only play good offensively, they play great defensively, and their running back on that team is really, really fun to watch. He's young, he's fast, he's got some great speed agility, he's able to find the seam gaps, and he's a big-time catalyst for Lawrence in that offense. Another interesting team is the Chargers these days, and uh, they're playing the Colts on Monday Night Football. And uh, I think the Ursays are going to be uh, using Nick Foles, of all people, uh, <laughs> giving him the start at quarterback. And uh, that, that'll be interesting. You know, the, the Ursays have uh, been coming up on the short end, but they usually play a tough game. You know, they gave the Eagles a tough time. They've given a few teams a tough time this year, but they just keep coming up short. Well, this is a big game for the Chargers, Andy. They have postseason aspirations. Brandon Staley could be on the outside looking in and be fired at the end of the year if they don't get to the postseason. We've heard rumors and murmurs from various sources on the social media outlets that this would be an appealing job for Sean Payton. You would have to wonder now if the Spanos family is going to go out there and try to recruit Payton hard if for some reason the Chargers miss the postseason and you know listen the LA Chargers have seemed season after season year after year to get into a postseason but they can never seem to get over that hump and play a late meaningful game in the end of January to try and vie for a Super Bowl and it's been a rough year for them this year but they're eight and six they're second in the AFC West they hold serve right now with the sixth spot if the AFC postseason was to start with the playoffs tomorrow, they would be the sixth seed in that playoff bracketing for the AFC. So every game will continue to matter for the Chargers the rest of the way. But that'll be tough competition from the Colts. Since Jeff Saturday has joined the Colts as head coach, they have played hard, they've played tough, and they've played gritty football for him. Under Philip Rivers, the uh, Chargers uh, did win some playoff games when they had him at quarterback, and they were a tough team. They've got some, of course, that's when they were the San Diego Chargers, and uh, I don't know, they're still having trouble really getting the Los Angeles fan base uh, in their corner because that was a Rams town going way, way back, and it's also a UCLA and USC town. You know, the the Chargers uh, have to win over the fans as well as uh, – make a a good playoff run here. And believe it or not, the Steelers are still alive. The Browns are still alive. The Raiders are still alive. The The Buccaneers division is like everybody's still alive. (laughs) Oh, Andy, what a brutal division. That's a mediocre division, huh? And you have to really wonder, Andy, you may feel more confident that Brady may return next year, but you have to wonder if he's going to return in a Buccaneer uniform. It just hasn't gone his way this season with this team. The Bucs have lost many games where they should have won. Todd Bowles doesn't seem to have the pulse of this team right now. The defense has been sporadic. The offense has been inconsistent. And it just really hasn't been a great year for the Buccaneers. And if they get in, I think they're going to struggle because the Vikings are far superior. The 49ers are better. The Cowboys are a good offensive team and play good 
when they can, and the Eagles right now would be the favorite to get to a Super Bowl. So it's going to be a tough ride for the Buccaneers. First, they have to get into the postseason and then hope that Brady's postseason magic and success can try and get them some key wins when they need it the most. There's a lot of confidence coming out of the Eagles uh, Eagles press corps and the team and uh, everybody close to the Eagles. They say that uh, they can win without Hurts maybe for a game or two. They wouldn't want to go uh, too many games without him. But they're confident that uh, they'll uh, they'll be the same Eagles against Dallas that uh, just for one thing, just uh, they get psyched up to play Dallas. You know, geographically, it doesn't make sense to me that Dallas would be in the NFC East, but it is. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, it's just always such a big game that the Eagles get up for anyway. They'll, they'll, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles came away with the win again. No, and it's a big rivalry, and most of the times when they play one another, the games are close and go right down to the final few minutes, and it should be an exciting game tomorrow afternoon for the 425 Christmas Eve special on Fox. And another team we look at out of the NFC, Andy, they're not going to win the NFC North like they have in years past, but they're fighting week in and week out, and they do have that veteran Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and they need to win out the rest of the way to try and stamp their ticket to a postseason appearance and that is the Green Bay Packers and they play on Christmas Day in a must-win situation against the Miami Dolphins team who is coming off of a frustrating loss against the Buffalo Bills at Snowy Orchard Park last Saturday night. Yeah, and also you got the Detroit Lions in that division, and they've been hot, and they're playing Carolina this week. The Lions may get another win here. What a storyline for that team. What a great year Jared Goff has had as an offensive catalyst, Andy. And the head coach is doing a whale of a job with this team. And he has put the Lions on the map and made them serious contenders. And if the Lions beat the Panthers tomorrow and win out the rest of the way, they can get to the postseason and they would be a fascinating storyline with the leadership of Jared Goff as he's having one of the best seasons he's had in his career as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, Goff uh, a few years ago was considered a disappointment and people were beginning to wonder if he had what it takes for the NFL but he's uh, certainly developed now and he's uh doing the job doing it more than just doing the job he's doing a great job yes he is and then you have the overachieving seattle seahawks at seven and seven and i say overachieving because it's been a better season than most people thought for veteran head coach pete carroll and a quarterback and geno smith who has taken this offense and has made it an exciting offense to watch week in and week out, but they will have a tough task indeed as they travel to cold, frigid Kansas City and they take on a Chiefs team that is primed to put up a lot of points at Getcha Field in Kansas City, and Mahomes is really going to go out there and play tough because the Chiefs are battling for that first spot out of the AFC. So this is going to be a tough task for Seattle, the signifying point in this game is going to be about their defense trying to tame the Chiefs' offense if they have any shot at winning this. 
Well, the Chiefs have the highest scoring offense in the NFL, and they're at home. So uh, that's, a, that's a tough place for anybody to go. And we talked about the marquee matchup tomorrow night, and that'll be the Steelers and the Raiders. And what a way to celebrate the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Then this matchup taking place on Christmas Eve, and the Steelers and Raiders are both in the hunt. Vegas has sort of found their sea legs the last few weeks. They had that probable win against the Pats in the final seconds of the game last week to keep their playoff hopes alive and Mike Tomlin Steelers they're tough they're gutsy they're gritty they're not an explosive offensive team Andy they put up points but they don't put up a ton when they play week in and week out but they seem to find ways to win close games and believe it or not Tomlin has this young Steelers team still in the thick of it in the AFC. Well, Tomlin's been there a long time, so there's some continuity there. And uh, even in a year that things don't start out well, you know, old reliable Mike Tomlin uh, finds a way. You know, he's up there with uh, Belichick and Harbaugh, some of these veterans, Andy Reid. You know, even when the personnel changes, they keep the team playing at a high level. They've just got that good system and they get the players to buy in and uh, you know you never give up on those teams you know they're going to keep coming back you know, they'll figure things out and start winning again i've always liked uh keeping coaches around because uh, sometimes uh more experience just makes you a better coach as you go along you know yeah so the nfl season andy is dwindling down to its final three weeks and there is many Teams vying for playoff positioning and the next three weeks will be key games and key matchups that we look at to see who will get into this year's round of postseason play in the National Football League. Any final thoughts, Andy, on the NFL before we move on in this pre-Christmas special? Well, you know, just that... uh... Certain teams have emerged, and uh, some of these teams have fallen to the wayside. But, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Tom Brady uh, and the Buccaneers uh, with what's been a mediocre team this year, but they're still in it. And, uh, you know, anything can happen in Christmas weekend here. It'll, It'll be an exciting weekend of football. It will, and who would have thought that the Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, these two teams would be on pins and needles in the final three weeks of this season to see if there's any life for them in the postseason. Normally, these two teams dominate their respective divisions, but it's been a different year this year in the NFL season, and you've seen teams like the Giants, you've seen teams like the 49ers, you've seen teams like the Vikings go out there and have surprise years and it's been a fascinating season to watch. Oh, yeah. Especially for the Eagles, getting a lot of sacks. And uh, they're getting uh, Goddard back this week, too. So they uh, they lost their quarterback for hopefully uh, not too long. But uh, they've got their, their tight end back. And they've done real well without one of the best tight, tight ends in football. That It's just, you know, a well-oiled machine. And it's next man up when somebody does get hurt. And, well, it's been been a great year for the Eagles. It has, and and we know any given Sunday anything can happen, and we know any team could go in there and win 
any week that they take to the football field. But right now, Andy, I think out of the NFC, the Eagles would be the preliminary favorite to probably get to a Super Bowl. They have the defense, they have the offense, they have the special teams, and they definitely have a head coach in Nick Sirianni who's pushed all the right buttons this season and has really made Jalen Hurts one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC this year. He's fascinating to watch, and he can just do it all. He can run. He could throw. He's just a complete package of quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they will be a fun team to watch the rest of the way. Yeah, how about Eagles 49ers in the NFC Championship game? Got a feeling that's going to happen. You know, Andy, we said a few weeks back that the 49ers could be a big dark horse in the postseason if they get in. And, you know, listen, a lot of people thought when Garoppolo went down that their season was pretty much over, but Brock Purdy has been the lightning rod for this offense, and he has stepped up in a big way, and he's been a huge catalyst for them, and he's made a name for himself in red and gold for the San Francisco 49ers. And also that 49ers defense is uh, about as good as it gets. Yes, it is. And with that said, Andy, that's our preview of the NFL as we get ready for Christmas Eve with a huge slate of games. And we get treated to three games on Christmas Day, which will kick off at 1 o'clock with the Packers traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins as both teams are in must-win situations for their postseason aspirations. And then Christmas night, we will get a great game between Tampa, Arizona. will be on yeah, Christmas night. The uh, former Penn Stater will be quarterbacking for Arizona now. Yeah. And then the middle game, Sunday at 4.30, this game will probably not draw many eyes to the television set as two 4-10 teams as the Denver Broncos, who have had a disappointing, underachieving season with quarterback Russell Wilson and first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett will go to SoFi Stadium and take on an L.A. Rams team that has definitely also had a disappointing year at 4-10, and but they've been riddled with injuries. They just haven't had a good year on the football field, the L.A. Rams coming off of their Super Bowl title last season. Yeah, the Rams have had, it's been a tough season. Yeah, that's about the only way to sum it up. It has, and you're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu this pre-Christmas episode as we come to you live from the great state of New Jersey in a day that started with 56 degrees and rain has become blustery cold in a matter of a few hours as it's 11 degrees outside with howling wind as we get ready for the Christmas holiday and it all begins with Christmas Eve and then the anticipation of Christmas Day with all the Christmas gifts and food and family on a Sunday at the end of December. Nothing could be better than that. We have a lot to do on this Christmas special. This very broadcast aired on 91.9 WNTI FM in Hackettstown from 2006 to 2010, and we decided to bring it back digitally live on Clubhouse and make it available for podcast playback through Spotify, Apple, Google, and wherever you get 
your daily episode, sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com is where you can reach me for any thoughts, feelings, or opinions that you may have on this podcast or anything happening in the world of sports. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we will talk about some big signings by the New York Mets, some big signings by the New York Yankees, and how this baseball offseason has energized the New York fan base and the baseball purist. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side right after this. Hi, I'm Fuad Reves. I'm a home builder, and I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas, and when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family, talk to your builder, tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov slash radon. That's epa.gov slash radon. This public service Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Enterprise. Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad, feliz Navidad, feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz as the classic Feliz Navidad by Jose Feliciano welcomes us into this baseball segment on this December 23rd, the year 2022, as the year 
is quickly winding down to its final few days and we come to you live from the Garden State on a cold, blustery night as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu bring you passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan. And if you're a New York Met fan, Andy, you didn't get one Christmas gift, but you got about three or four Christmas gifts so far in this baseball offseason as Justin Verlander joins the New York Mets for $86 million, third year being an option year. And then we wake up in the wee hours of the morning after we think Carlos Correa is going to take his talents to the San Francisco Giants to find that Steve Cohen opened up the wallet and brought Carlos Correa to the New York Mets with a 12-year deal at $315 million, and the Mets bolster their offense even more now and will be primed to go over that 101-win mark to really solidify themselves as a serious World Series contender for the 2023 season, as many teams seem to be irked now that Steve Cohen is trying to put a winning product on the field and willing to erase his entire bank account to do so. Well, Correa is going to have a prospero año, as Feliciano would say. <laughs> he got quite a deal. And I wonder what it was in that physical of his that San Francisco soured on him. The, you know, the Mets uh, remind me of the 1977 Yankees uh, going on a spending spree. And, you know, the 77 Yankees are called the best team that money can buy. And back then, uh, the Mets were the uh, the stepchild. <laughs> but uh, that's turned around. Yeah, the Mets sort of the spending team now. Yes, they are, Andy. And back when Correa was a farm system player for the Houston Astros, there was an ankle injury that he had and that showed up in the physical examination that the San Francisco Giants took. They seemed concerned about that. So Correa was with his family and his agent, Scott Boris, in San Francisco as the Giants offered him a 13 a year, $350 million deal, and at the last minute, Farhan Zakadi, the general manager for the Giants, called off the press conference as they did not like what they saw with that ankle injury when Correa was 19 years old playing in the Astros farm system, and it didn't take Two minutes for Steve Cohen to get on the phone with Boris and cut a deal and get Correa in Queens and put him in a Met uniform to play with the likes of Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nemo, and the key offensive catalyst that can get this Mets team to a World Series in 2023. And he really bolsters the lineup. He's got speed. He can hit for power. He can hit for extra base hits. He can steal the base pads. Correa is the real deal when it comes to the sport of baseball and he had a lackluster year with the twins last season but he will definitely try to rejuvenate himself with a Mets team that is primed to win it all. And he'll be moving over to third, same way that uh, A-Rod moved over to third when he came to the Yankees, and the Yankees already had Jeter there. So, yeah, Correa will be uh, 
adjusting to a new position as well. And, you know, the Mets got that Kodai Senga from Japan. He was quite the rage over there. And if he's anything like Otani, <laughs> yeah, the Mets have themselves a pitcher there. Yes, and, you know, we didn't hear a lot about Senga when he played in the Japanese Baseball League, but a lot of scouts seem to think that he's going to be the real deal, and he seemed excited to be with the New York Mets, and his press conference was really invigorating for many Mets fans that are looking for this team to go out there and give you five solid starters on the mound every day, and Singa brings a lot. He's got a devastating fastball. He's got a sinker that he commands greatly. And he had a very good year in Japan last year. And he will come now to the New York Mets on a five-year deal. He will try to help out this rotation with the loss of Jacob deGrom and try to hope that he can get the Mets some key wins. And he has that uh, Japanese uh, shooto pitch, which... uh... It's a pretty unique pitch, but uh, it's pretty common in Japan where it's like a slider, but it can break up. Uh, You know, sliders generally, you know, break down, and catchers have to really make sure it doesn't bounce past them. But the shooto pitch just, uh, it's a variation of the slider, and American hitters who see it for the first time always have trouble making the, the adjustment to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, he um, he reminds me of, like, Tanaka, who came to the Yankees after he had a 25-0 and record in Japan. And J- Tanaka lasted a few years and pitched a lot of big games for the Yankees. Um, you know, some of these Japanese players, uh, it's funny, Japan's on the other side of the world, so it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for American fans most of the time. But, uh, but we talked to Bobby Valentine, and he knows Japan well. He managed there for several years with the Chibalote Marines, and uh, yeah, Bobby's always a good guy to turn to, to to learn more about Japanese baseball. They are sticklers for the fundamentals over there, and uh, you know they really play the game the right way. Bobby will tell you they're they're just fanatical about just doing everything the right way and practicing and practicing till they get things right. Absolutely, and it'd be very interesting to hear his take, as I'm sure he's a big fan of. Kota Sanga, and by the way, that deal with the Mets was a $75 million deal for five years to play in Queens in a Met uniform. So the Mets get Verlander, they get Sanga, they get Correa. Now they just need some middle relief in that bullpen, and they will have an elite team take to the diamond in 2023 out of the NL East and with the New York Yankees they made some noise this week as we've spoke about Aaron Judge a lot on this program over the last several months and the one key significant thing we said with Judge was not only did the Yankees have to bring him back but they had to make him captain and Hal Steinbrenner made sure he did that in the press conference announcing that Judge will be a New York Yankee and put on pinstripes for a very long time. They will make him captain and they will build the team around him now to try and get that dynasty back to their championship winning ways and hopefully a World Series in the house that Homer's built in the Bronx as the Yankees had a very big press conference with Aaron Judge and then they go out there and they add to their step 
stellar pitching rotation, and they go out and get Carlos Rodon, and they add a starter to their rotation to make them a viable force out of the AL East in the American League, and Rodon will make $162 million as he signs a six-year contract with the New York Yankees. And Rodon, he was with the White Sox, played for the Giants last year, and will bring his talents to New York, and was really glowing in his press conference, Andy, and couldn't be more excited to put on the pinstripes and play in the house that Homer's built. Yeah, I remember when Reggie signed with the Yankees and everybody thought that was such an outrageous deal. That was about 250000 for five years, which was over a million, you know, for the total package. But uh, that kind of money is nothing compared to what the guys are making today. It's funny how the pendulum has swung with player salaries because I go back to the days when uh, Henry Aaron, the greatest home run hitter of all time, was only making 200000 a year. And uh, that seems uh, hard to believe uh, looking at the way the market has gone now. The Mets fans have been uh, complaining that they don't spend enough money, but uh, they're they're spending it now. Well, you know what irked me? And listen, some of these owners have a right to be annoyed because if there was a salary cap on the sport, we wouldn't see these big lucrative contracts with all these players being signed year in and year out to help... Uh, get them some winning success on the diamond. But Hal Steinbrenner, after that Aaron Judge press conference, was asked by Michael Kay, who was doing an interview along with uh, Meredith Marakovitz for the Yes Network after the press conference on Yes, he asked him about how he felt about Cohen and all the spending. And, you know, he turned around and said, you know, it's annoying to see, and I think it's going to come back and bite him. Yet, did Hal realize that his father brought a ton of championships to New York when George decided to spend all that money in the late 90s and early 2000s and pissed off all the baseball fans because the Yankees were dominant year in and year out and were winning championships left and right and all of the fans got annoyed. So now Hal's annoyed that his crosstown rival New York Mets nemesis owner in Steve Cohen is going out there and spending a ton of money and Hal's annoyed about that? Yeah, the Yankees are not the the people to be giving lectures about overspending. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! They, they All the yeah. years that they've overspent and won many oh, titles yeah. and we had to suck it up and deal with it. And they didn't always win either. I mean, the Yankees have had their droughts even with uh, high payroll teams. You know, it, it doesn't always pay off, you know. you got to still make good decisions, and the players have to perform. And then Michael Conforto, a former Met, he will go and play for the San Francisco Giants as he signs a deal with them today for the Giants, and uh, he will try and take his offensive power to the West Coast as this was a brutal offseason thus far for the Giants. You thought they were going to be in on the Judge deal. That ends up falling apart, and then the Correa deal falls apart, and the San Francisco Giants are left trying to figure out how they're going to put a winning product on the field, and I guess they hope that Michael Conforto can take some of that angst away by bringing his offense of talents to San Francisco. Conforto's been a real good hitter when he's been healthy. He's had the injury bug, and uh, I remember one, one Mets game a few years ago, he injured his shoulder just uh, in a normal plate appearance. I don't think he really even swung the bat. He just, uh, 
It was just a real freakish uh, injury. I don't know if you remember the game I'm talking about. He just, uh, I think he checked the swing or something, and he ended up with a really bad shoulder injury from it. He's had some tough luck with injury. When he's been healthy, he's been a good hitter. He has. And then, Andy, your Philadelphia Phillies coming off of that devastating World Series loss to the Astros bolster their bullpen a little bit better today as they decide to add Craig Kimbrell for a one-year deal at $10 million. So they add a big arm to the back end of that bullpen and try to continue their second year in a row of getting to a World Series. And the Phillies had an exciting offseason as you get Trey Turner, now you get Kimbrell, and you just continue to try and bolster your team to be a dominant force in the NL East. You know, Kimbrell, he's been all over. He, I think he started with the Braves. He pitched in the World Series with the uh, Red Sox. And he's been on a couple other teams starting last year. He was with uh, the Dodgers, I believe. Yes. And uh, yeah, he's been all over. Uh, he's an experienced closer, and he's been a good one most of the time. You just wonder how long uh, somebody can last as a closer. You know, not everybody goes on forever the way that Marianne or Rivera did. No, they don't, Andy. But I think Edwin Diaz has some good years ahead of him because he had a great year for the New York Mets closing games this past season. And he was huge at the back end of that bullpen. And the Mets, that was the big first uh, contract they got off the table. And that was signing Edwin Diaz to a big time deal. Yeah, they don't win 100 games without him. No, they don't. So for both New York teams, Andy, and for your local Philadelphia Philly team, there's a lot of promise around these organizations and franchises as they get ready for spring training at the end of February, beginning of March. And we can only hope that both New York teams find a way to get over the hurdle and get to a World Series. And with the Yankees, their number one goal is just trying to find a way to defeat the Astros in the postseason season and with the Mets it's about trying to find a way to be better than the Braves and better than the Phillies and finally winning an NL East and making a deep run in a postseason you have all the pieces there I get you lost Jacob DeGrom but every Met fan right now who soaked about Jacob DeGrom going to the Rangers is feeling much more confident now as a Met fan than you did when Jacob DeGrom was a New York Met because you didn't only get a top-tier Hall of Fame pitcher who is aging in Justin Verlander, but you added another significant bat in Carlos Correa. You've brought in some bullpen relief, but you got to add to that bullpen relief now and shore up the middle end of that bullpen. But if you're a Met fan, you're very confident as to where this team stands as we get ready for the 2023 spring training and as a Yankee fan you didn't add a ton your main focus was Aaron Judge and you capitalized on that and now you're trying to build your team around him make him the main focal point and try and get a championship in the Bronx April 6th will be here before you know it that's opening day and then over there in the American League, uh, I look for some continued improvement from Seattle and Baltimore to make things interesting in the American League. A couple of clubs on the rise there. 
So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we know the Astros are going to be good. I think it's going to be interesting to see really what happens with the Red Sox. They didn't do a ton in this offseason. Alex Cora yeah, has a young after team. After last place season, too. Yeah. You would tell you would have thought the Red Sox after a last place season would really try to make some big moves, but not so far. No, and and losing it, players but not signing them. Yeah. Yeah, and another team that didn't make a ton of moves was the L.A. Dodgers, and every year they're in the thick of it in the NL West, but they can never seem to capitalize and make a deep run to a World Series, and many baseball fans thought that they were going to be active at the winter meetings in this offseason, and the Dodgers haven't done much to really solidify themselves as a serious threat to be a World Series contender. Speaking of West Coast baseball, you know that the Padres are probably going to be exciting again for 2023. You have to wonder if the Angels are going to be any more competitive than the dismal year they had this past season. And you have the Giants who are rebuilding, trying to get big names, but really haven't been an appealing team over the last few years. They had that one good year with 100 and something wins two years ago, but they fell off the radar last year and they haven't been able to find themselves some winning success in the NL West they are in rebuild mode again and they can't seem to land the big names those San Francisco Giants with that said you're listening to the sports buzz here on this Christmas pre-broadcast as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu come to you live on Clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback through Spotify, Apple, Google and wherever you get your daily podcast. Passionate Sports Talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. You're not going to get this broadcast on commercial radio. You're not going to get this on the paid services of Satellite Sirius XM radio but you're guaranteed to get it here on clubhouse weekly and you're guaranteed to get it in podcast form we have a lot more to do over the course of this broadcast we'll come back we'll talk some college football and i have a christmas treat for all you listeners tuning in tonight on Clubhouse, as I went into my audio vault and I went back to the year of 2008 when this very broadcast was on a powerhouse FM radio station in Northwest New Jersey, 91.9 WNTI FM in Hackettstown, where we had four years of instant success year in and year out, and we were a highly rated show, I went into the audio vault and got some great audio to bring in the Christmas holiday with you on the Sports Buzz, and we will play that a little bit later on in this episode. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we have more Sports Talk banter coming your way. After I came home from Iraq, I could still hear the booms makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hi, I'm Fouad Reves. I'm a home builder. And I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? 
It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas, and when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home, so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family, talk to your builder, tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise. as we play some Christmas tunes here as we ring in the Christmas holiday as Bing Crosby and Silent Night brings us into this third segment of this pre-Christmas special on the Sports Buzz as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu come to you live from the Garden State, the great state of New Jersey on a cold, windy, frigid night as the winter months have begun. The Christmas holiday will just be a day away and a week from now we will come to the air closing out the 2022 year and ringing in 2023 and no better way to ring in 2023 than by talking about college football and some of the bowl games we've witnessed thus far before the playoff format begins and then we eventually end it all with the national championship game and we had two games today Andy as we saw the University of Houston Cougars defeat Louisiana 23 to 16 at Independence Stadium in Shreveport Louisiana as they played the Radiance Technology Independence Bowl and Houston won 23 to 16 well they've got a good team there in Houston <laughs> they, they were ranked pretty high uh Trying to think how high they got. Uh, I believe they made it up to number five at one point. Yes, they did. That's a good legitimate team, and uh, they've had a good season, yeah. 
Good one coming up in Annapolis, uh, Maryland. I think it's December 28th. You got Duke uh, playing Central Florida. Those are programs on the upswing. You know, Central Florida had a undefeated season not too long ago, but they didn't get any national ranking because they didn't play any, you know, top-ranked teams. It's been a good program for a few years there. Be interested to see what they've got. Yes, and then a team that I rooted heavily for as my niece currently finished her first semester as a freshman at the University of Wisconsin. They had a subpar season as they finished at 6-6. Six and six. Didn't contend well in the Big Ten this year, but they will take on Oklahoma State on Tuesday, December 27th in the guaranteed rape bowl at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, that should be a good game. That should. Uh, Wisconsin's always got a, a good big line. They, they usually have a good running game, and uh, and they'll certainly compete. You know, 6-6 six, six, when you play most of your games in the Big Ten, that's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. League. And another game we look at, Andy, that's currently in action right now is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons as they take on the Missouri Tigers, and Wake Forest is on the road as the road team. They lead Missouri 20-17 to with under six minutes to play in the fourth quarter in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, sometimes it's the team that wants it more who wins these bowl games because uh, Missouri is a Southeast Conference team. Uh, it'd be hard for them to get up for a team outside the conference uh, or they may take them lightly, you know. Uh, uh, Missouri's uh, uh, one of the better upper echelon Southeast Conference programs, but uh, they may not have the motivation uh, that, that they might for a game against a Georgia and Alabama or Tennessee, you know. Another game we hone in on is Wednesday, December 28th. It'll take place at 9 o'clock p.m. on ESPN as the Texas Tech Red Raiders will take on Old Miss in Mississippi. That's the Texas Bowl, and that'll take place at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Old Miss finished a year at eight and four. Texas Tech at seven and five. Two young quarterbacks, two great teams that can run the football, Andy. This is gonna be a close game and a high scoring game at nine o'clock on Wednesday evening. Yeah, that's a good one. And then uh Maryland's in a bowl game in uh, Charlotte. Who are they playing? Do you have those uh, that listing in front of you? Maryland's yes, let me find Maryland. Maryland is playing Friday, December 30th, 12 noon on ESPN, and they are taking on 23-ranked NC State at 8-4 and four in the Duke's Mayo Bowl from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, Maryland, as, as you remember, they, they gave Ohio State a real scare. <laughs> this year, and uh, they've had a high-powered offense there with uh, with another Tagliavola there at quarterback, and and they've got some good running backs and uh, up-and-coming program in the Big Ten there. Yes, and uh, two o'clock that afternoon on Friday, December thirtieth. UCLA with Chip Kelly, 18th ranked at 9-3, and three, will take on Pittsburgh at 8-4 and four in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, Andy. So the Pac-12 
So the UCLA Bruins and Pittsburgh will battle it out in the Sun Bowl in what should be an advantage for UCLA as they're a little bit more of a fast-paced team with a high-octane offense. And you know what happens? You know, they have a lot of smog out there in Los Angeles. But when the smog clears in, in Los Angeles, you know what happens? UCLA. <laughs> oh, levity for the sports buzz. <laughs> yes, three thirty that same afternoon on the thirtieth, you have the twenty-one ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on the nineteenth-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks in the Texas Slayer Gator Bowl from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida, Andy. So can Notre Dame climb the hurdle and get a big bowl win for the Gator Bowl as they take on South Carolina, a team that used know, to be coached by Steve Spurrier? I know Notre Dame has a good record, but they've had some disappointments. I mean, uh, they lost to Marshall and they almost lost to Navy. I watched that game with Navy. Uh, Navy almost made a big comeback against Notre Dame, and they only ended up losing to them by three after Notre Dame in the first half really looked like they were going to run away with the game. So I don't know. Uh, know, I wouldn't be a betting man on any Notre Dame games. You know, just when you think they're really going to do it, they don't quite perform the way you would expect. No, they don't, Andy. So that. Should be an interesting game. And then 8 o'clock that night, we have a big matchup with two SEC teams battling it out on ESPN as the 6th-ranked 10-2 Tennessee Vols, who had a great year, will take on 7th-ranked 11-2 Clemson Tigers in the Capital One Orange Bowl from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Yeah, that's usually a good bowl game. They get some good teams over there. And I'm certainly looking forward to the Rose Bowl with Penn State taking on Utah, a couple of high-scoring teams. Uh, and Penn State, of course, has that longstanding tradition going back to the days of uh, Franco Harris and uh, Lydell Mitchell and others. But um, John Capaletti, well, I'm going to have to talk about him one of these days. He's a great story to talk about what's good in college football. But Utah's really been an emerging program, and they've been to the Rose Bowl uh, last year and and really played a great game there, so they're not going to be awed by by being in the Rose Bowl. Uh, that should be a real good shootout of a game. Looking forward to that one. Yes, and they had a good year, and they got a good team. They play well offensively. They're good defensively. They got a good head coach who's level-headed, so that'll be a fun game to watch. And a team that has been in the thick of it year in and year out, fell short this year from the playoff format, and that is Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide as they are fifth-ranked, and they will play in the All-State Sugar Bowl and battle Kansas State, who's ranked number nine at 12 p.m. on New Year's Eve. And those SEC teams, especially a team like Alabama that's got legions of fans, you know, down there in New Orleans, that's a dome, so that noise has nowhere to go. Uh, some Penn State's been there in the past, and they, they've had to practice for the game by just cranking up crowd noise at the practices just so the players will get conditioned to uh, all that volume. You know, that's a, that's a loud place, uh, and they're always rooting for the uh, Southeast Conference team. You always have a SEC team in the Sugar Bowl, and, and uh, just that noise and 
the craziness. Uh, that's a tough thing to overcome for a team who hasn't been playing against Southeast Conference teams, you know. No, absolutely, Andy, and a local New York team representing New York will be the Syracuse Orange as they will play Minnesota in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium on Thursday, December 29th at 2 p.m. on ESPN, and the Pinstripe Bowl is always a fun bowl game, and Syracuse had a good year. They finished at 7-5. and five. They had some good quarterback play, Andy, and they're well coached by Dino Babber, and their quarterback Schrader had a big year throwing the football and they are deserving of the pinstripe bowl they've done a good job with uh, that bowl because uh, every year they've been getting uh, an emerging uh, you know a good big 10 team against a very good eastern team so you know you got some there to really give the fans in the northeast uh, a reason to go want to watch and, uh, yeah, I hope Syracuse uh, plays well against the Golden Gophers there. That's uh, the Orange against the Golden Gophers. That's one of my favorite college nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a fun game, too. And then, listen, we talk about the undefeated uh, Michigan Wolverines. They're ranked number two. They will take on TCU in the first playoff format game in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. And that game will be on New Year's Eve at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And TCU, who had a great year, a team that you wouldn't have thought would have been representing themselves in the playoff format, Andy, found their way in, and they will take on a tough Michigan team, a Michigan team that a lot of people have honed in on as being a legit championship contender out of the Big Ten. Well, Michigan beat Ohio State, and that's all you got to say. you got to be a good team to do that. And uh, Harbaugh's been there a few years now. He's got a good program going there. Uh, this could be Michigan's year. There's some magic over there, you know. This is uh, it's been fun to watch uh, the season they've had. Yes, it has. And then Stetson Bennett and the Georgia Bulldogs at 13 and 0, number one ranked in the nation, will take on number four ranked 11 and 1 Ohio State in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl at the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, eight o'clock. New Year's Eve night, and we've talked all season long, Andy, about this being Georgia's chance to win a another national title and championship game, and right now they'd be primed to do it again their second year in a row. Not only are they defending national champs, but they've got just about everybody back from last year, so you know they're not lacking for experience or anything. Uh, uh, these guys know what it takes to win. So uh, you have to favor them. But uh, I've, I've felt that Ohio State, uh, going back a few years, Ohio State was the fourth seed in this uh, Final Four business. I think it was 2014, Ohio State uh, underdog in both games and won blowouts with a third-string quarterback, no less. Ohio State is just loaded and deep at every position, and there are no picnic for anybody to play. So this should be... Uh, 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 certainly a national championship quality game. 
Another big bowl game we hear about year in and year out is the Citrus Bowl, and representing that bowl game this year will be 17th-ranked LSU at 9-4, and four, taking on the Purdue Boilermakers at 8-5, and five, Andy, and LSU, under the leadership of Brian Kelly, had a decent season. Not a great season. They had a decent season, and they will be playing in a bigger bowl game than expected. Yeah, Purdue won the Big Ten West, and uh, the last few years that bowl has gotten uh, teams from the the Big Ten and the Southeast Conference, so uh, they get good matchups there, and Purdue did have a good year. They came on to to win at least the division championship, if not the Big Ten championship. They were up against a pretty tough Michigan team in the Big Ten championship game, so uh, just playing Michigan probably gave them a lot to look at on the tape and and uh, some good experience there. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like Purdue's chances in that game. So some intriguing matchups coming up in the next several days, Andy, on the college football landscape and some key games that we will hone in on and watch and look forward to are about ready to begin. 2.33 left to go in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl and Wake Forest has a 10-point lead, 27-17, with a little over two minutes to play against the Missouri Tigers. So Wake Forest close to victory in their bowl game as they lead 27-17. That surprises me. I would not pick against those Southeast Conference teams because that's such a powerhouse conference, but uh, Wake Forest must have really prepared well. That's one thing about these bowl games. You know, you have a few weeks between games. And if you have a good coach who, who can uh, really come up with a game plan and scout his opponent and find weaknesses, and everybody, even the best team, says a weakness somewhere if you study enough film. Uh, yeah, sometimes you never know. Sometimes it's the better prepared team that wins, not necessarily the most talented team. Absolutely, Andy. And uh, any final thoughts on the college football side of things, Andy? Go Penn State. I I root for them. I always have. And, uh, you know, I I remember Franco Harris well as a player over there. And uh, I'm always happy when Penn State wins. So go State. And go Syracuse, as we hope that they beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I've always been intrigued with Syracuse, especially when Nassib was the quarterback and Doug Marone was the head coach back in the day. They were just always a fun team to watch, and I was always intrigued with them. And when you think of Syracuse, you think of the fantastic Bayheim basketball team and the great program he's built there for the basketball side of the university, but the football team has not disappointed the last several years. They've always been in the thick of it. You know, Syracuse has some history with Penn State. Uh, before Penn State went to the Big Ten, uh, Penn State was an independent team, and Syracuse also was an independent. There were several independent teams in the East who played each other, and Penn State uh, used to play Syracuse, Pitt, uh, West Virginia, Temple, uh, you know, uh, mostly an Eastern schedule, uh, which sometimes hurt Penn State in the ratings. That's how Penn State managed to go back-to-back 11-0 seasons and still not win a national championship before they had a playoff, you know, and they just voted on these things. But uh, Syracuse and Penn State had some good battles. 
very close games. Uh, you know, Paterno often said Syracuse and Pitt were the toughest games they'd have on the schedule when they had a few uh, undefeated seasons. It used to be an Eastern deal, and Paterno used to always want to get five or six Eastern teams together into one league, and that never happened. So eventually Penn State did go to the Big Ten, but uh, Syracuse and Penn State used to be an annual game, and it was usually on TV, and it was usually a very good game. Coming down the wire quickly before we move on to other topics here tonight, the Jets get more bad news today after that tough, embarrassing loss last night to the Jaguars. Miles Austin has been suspended for a year for gambling. So the wide receiver coach, Miles Austin, is being suspended for at least one year, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter and Rich Cimini for violating the NFL's gambling policy. The NFL issued a statement earlier this evening confirming that Austin has been suspended. The league will have no further comment until that appeal has been resolved. Austin must serve any suspension before applying for reinstatement a source told ESPN. The NFL has been investigating Austin for a while after it found out that he had been gambling on sports, not on NFL games or college football, which violates NFL personal gambling policy. Well, if he's uh, playing some blackjack in Atlantic City, I don't know what's... uh, (laughs) You know, it's funny. uh, There's some hypocrisy in a league that's making millions upon millions because of the attraction that gamblers have to it. They're not hurting, and gambling is a big reason why fans are just can't get enough of the NFL. I mean, every game on the schedule, even if you have a couple of 4-10 and 10 teams playing, people are betting on it. You know, to be hard on somebody who is gambling not on sports, um, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't ring right with me. I mean, I can, yeah, if, if they bet on sports, that's one thing. Then you really have the issue of uh, credibility as to whether everything's on the level. But, I mean, if the guy's just playing some poker in Atlantic City or something like that, I mean, what's the harm in that? <laughs> I agree with you, Andy. And speaking of some more local teams, we'll switch gears quickly to the NBA as the New York Knicks had a tough loss tonight as they lost to the Bulls by 1.118-117. Barrett led the way and was the catalyst offensively with 44 points and 7 rebounds. DeMar DeRozan led the way for Chicago with 25 points on 7 rebounds. And the Bulls found a way to beat the Knicks, who have been an impressive team thus far. I get the season is early, Andy, but this young Nick team with a veteran head coach like Tom Thibodeau finds themselves at 18 and 15 playing competitive on the hardwood night in and night out. Well, they'll be a playoff team, and uh, I've liked what I've seen in uh, the Sixers. Uh, you know, Embiid has just been spectacular so far this year, and Tobias Harris is a good player for them. And uh, also Harden, James Harden, uh, looks better this year. I think last year he was hampered and slowed down a bit by a hamstring injury. But Harden's looked as good as I've ever seen him playing for the Sixers this year, and he's passing the ball around and uh, just doing a nice job. 
Speaking of Embiid and the Sixers, they had a big win over the Clippers tonight, 119-114. The Sixers moved to 19-12 and 14-5 and and on their home hardwood. And Embiid led the way with 44 points and had seven rebounds. And the Sixers are trying to make their way into a postseason with the hopes that they can finally get to the NBA Finals. Yeah, they've been there. They just need to, uh, again, you know, you, you got to win four out of seven yep. against a good team. And uh, that, that's always a tall order, but uh, maybe it will be this year because uh, uh, this team uh, has looked good in the games that I've seen them. I'm encouraged. Yeah, I think they'll uh, they'll be right up there. The Brooklyn Nets, who started off this 2022 season slow, get a big win tonight, 118-100 to over the Milwaukee Bucks, who year in and year out seem to be in the thick of it. The Bucks are 22-10 and on the season. Atentencopo led the way with 26 points on 13 rebounds. Claxton led the scoring for the Nets with 19 points and had 8 rebounds. And the Brooklyn Nets seem like they're starting to find their form now with Irving and Durant and some key guys night in and night out, Andy, as they start to win some big games here in this 2022 season on the hardwood. You know, I don't even attempt to pronounce the name, and I don't know how you could uh, say it too often in a play-by-play broadcast, but I just call him the Greek freak. (laughs) 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 And that that works for me. That that guy's a phenomenal player, very, very athletic and and entertaining. Uh, He's he's made some moves out there. He's like a seven-foot version of Dr. J from the old days, you know, the Julius Serving days. I loved watching Dr. J. Oh, he was my favorite. Yes, he was. Jalen Brown led the way for the Boston Celtics with 36 points as the Celtics go to 13 games over 500 at 23-10, and 10, and they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight 121-109, to 109, and the Boston Celtics, who fell short against the Warriors in the NBA Finals, continue their winning success in this 2022 season, and a team that has not found winning success, especially with LeBron James's name tied to it, the L.A. Lakers, they will take to the hardwood at 10.30 tonight, and they will play the Charlotte Hornets, who are 8-24 and are dismal in the NBA this season. So if the Lakers need a win, they should get one tonight against the Hornets in what has been a frustrating season for both franchises. Well, Boston uh, has certainly been a consistent winner and got to give them credit because they do it with team play. I mean, they don't overwhelm you with uh, a lot of big-name talent over there. And, of course, uh, with Bill Russell having recently passed, uh, I'm sure they've uh, dedicated uh, the season to his memory. And uh, Boston's doing something right because they keep winning. And sometimes I wonder how they do it as consistently as they do. They lost their head coach, Ime Udoku, in that scandal prior to the start of the season with him having an affair with one of the female employees of the Boston Celtics, but that didn't seem to cause them any frustration or any distraction as they just continue their winning ways. And they don't only win, Andy, they bludgeon teams night in oh, yeah. and night out. And they continue to do that as... 
Yeah, when you play the kind of schedule these NBA teams play, uh, playing as often and as many games as they do, yeah, uh, it's hard to maintain that defensive intensity every game, but Boston manages to dial it up. They win as much with defense as anything else. Uh, when you win blowout games, that means you're stopping the other team as well as scoring on your own end, and then uh, they do it. They find the motivation somewhere, and they've just got, I guess it comes with good basketball habits, you know, and good basketball instinct and IQ. They're a smart team. They do the right things. No, and they, and they box out a lot. They yeah. crash the boards a lot. They're fast-paced. They're a fun team to watch. They're a great franchise. They're, they're run very good. Brad Stevens has done a good job. He was an okay head coach, better in college than the NBA, but he sort of found himself in an upper management role now as general manager with the Celtics, and he has seemed to excel greatly in that role and has really primed this franchise to make deep runs year in and year out yes sir yeah and then we will look at quickly andy the nhl as the nhl continues to excite and what a year it's been thus far for the new jersey devils as they just try to find ways to win games andy and they do it in great fashion they lost tonight to the bruins who were 27-4-2, the Devils lost 4-3, to but the Devils find themselves at 22-10-2, and and they've gotten some great play from their goalie, they've gotten some great play from their defense and their offense, and all around they've been just a fun team and a team that has finally bounced back nicely and has found some winning success on the ice. And also a big story in hockey uh, just recently, and uh, since he was at 799 goals, uh, I watched uh, Capitals at a nationally televised game uh, against uh, Chicago. Ovechkin uh, didn't waste any time. I think the first couple of minutes of the game, he got his 800th goal there. And uh, he's one of three players in NHL history to have reached 800. You know, the other two being Gordie Howe and uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, who I guess I don't think anybody will ever catch Wayne Gretzky. He's, he's like, got a phenomenal career total there. But uh, I think uh, Ovechkin is right there. Ovechkin's next goal, if he hasn't done it already, uh, would tie him with Gordie Howe. So you got the 800-goal club there. And that's just similar to uh, watching... Uh, Pujols get his uh, 700 yeah. uh, home run. When you think of guys like Gretzky and you think of guys like Ovechkin, you can even add Brodeur into that mix. You know, these are guys, oh, Andy. Yeah, these are guys that are definitely going to be Hall of Fame caliber NHL players, and they're going to be players that we look up to for years talking about day in and day out because they've really made the sport what it is today. New York area has enjoyed some good goaltending with uh, Mike Richter, who happened to be a Philadelphia native, but also um, the Devils and the Rangers have had good goaltending uh, for many years through Hall of Fame uh, goalkeepers with, with what's his name? I'm not coming up with his name, but, you know, Hall of Famer the Devils had uh, in the goal there. Martin Brodeur. Brodeur, boy, I'm getting old. I'm starting to have a hard time <laughs> with names. I mean, Brodeur is just, 
so good. I mean, sometimes I just... He is widely that. regarded as one of the greatest goaltenders of all in 2017. He was named by the league as one of the most elite 100 greatest NHL players to ever take to the ice and play in the sport of hockey. And believe it or not, Martin Brodeur, Andy is now the vice president of hockey operations for the Devils. Well, I wish him the best. I mean, that's it, just like Bobby Clark was a superstar player with the Flyers, and then he went into management and got some criticism when the Flyers fell on some tough times. Lundqvist with the Rangers, he's another one who uh, often, uh, you know, the Rangers would be outplayed, but the, the opponent just couldn't get the puck past uh, Lundqvist. And, uh, He's had some amazing games to watch on TV, too. Uh, he and Ryan Callahan used to be fun to watch on the Rangers as far as just do the right thing at the right time type of guys. <laughs> and another New York team that's off to a strong start in the 2022 NHL season is the Islanders as they won 5-1 to one and they beat the Florida Panthers tonight. They continue their winning ways. Steve Summers used to call them the Icelanders. <laughs> yes, the Icelanders. And by the way, hockey's the only sport, I believe, that gets off for the Christmas holiday every year. Yeah, they don't play it all during the Christmas weekend. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good tradition. You know, let them enjoy the holidays. And the next time the Rangers will take to the ice will be Tuesday night, and they will take on the Washington Capitals. The Capitals come in at 19-13. and 13. The Rangers are at 19-11, and 11, and Panarin's been a big catalyst for them thus far for the Rangers. Yeah, I'm going to look up uh, how many goals does, uh, is Ovechkin up to now because uh, he and Gordy Howe were uh, right up next to each other there. Let's so see. I'm on Ovechkin's stats here. He had two goals in his last game. Oh, so he's past Gordie Howe now. So he's the second all-time leading scorer. The Capitals beat the Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, 4-1. to Jets, one. Yeah. Ovechkin had two goals, one assist, three points. That puts him past uh, Gordie Howe because uh, he, he came right up to him. When Ovechkin got his 800th, uh, Gordie Howe was at 801. <laughs> so it's just a matter of time till he passed to Howe. But he's just still got some distance. He's going to need a couple of seasons yet if he's going to even uh, try to challenge uh, Wayne Gretzky's number. Wayne Gretzky, I believe, is pretty close to 900 goals. It's definitely been a fun season on the ice for a lot of these hockey teams, and it's fun to talk about on occasion because it's a sport that doesn't get enough recognition year in and year out. Not everybody well, is home to hockey. Great. I mean, yeah. uh, there, there's nothing like uh, a hockey game that means something. I mean, I've always enjoyed it in the, in the Olympics and uh, and also in the NHL when you get into the playoffs uh, and they're really playing hard. Uh, you know, there's nothing like a a meaningful hockey game. <laughs> no, there's not. And the fun storyline last year was the uh, Colorado Avalanche. They're off to a 
good start this season at 18 and 11. So it'll be fun to see how much of a run they can make out of the Western Conference in the Central Division. And we will have to keep an eye on that. So we gave you some insight on the NBA. We gave you some insight on the NHL. You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. We're still going to give you our NFL picks for week 16. We'll do that a little bit later on in the broadcast. But when we come back, I am going to share some Christmas memories with you as we ring in the Christmas holiday together here on the Sports Buzz and a little special present from yours truly to everybody listening on Clubhouse tonight and everybody listening in podcast form, whether that's through Apple, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you go for your daily podcast cravings. Sports Buzz Show 1 at gmail.com, sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com as it's passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu come to you live every Friday night on Clubhouse. And we are here to give you entertaining sports talk that you're not going to find on commercial radio, that you're not going to find on satellite radio, but you got it for four great years on FM radio from 2006 to 2010 on 91.9 WNTI FM. And when we come back, we will relive some of those great moments from back in the day as I share some FM radio memories with you right after this. After I came home from Iraq, I could still hear the booms. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the happiest 
season of all With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings When friends come to call It's the happiest season of all There'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and caroling It's the most wonderful time of the year. A famous Christmas song by the great Andy Williams welcomes us into this segment of this pre-Christmas episode of the Sports Buzz. Yes, we chat about sports daily, but there is nothing like the Christmas holiday as it is one of the biggest holidays of the year for many out there who observe it on a yearly basis. And it's a holiday holiday where you don't only enjoy getting a Christmas gift you want, you don't only enjoy the music that comes along with the season, you don't only enjoy the stories of Santa Claus and the elves and the and gathering around the Christmas tree, you also enjoy the religious aspect of it, which in the Catholic religion or the Christian religion is the birth of Jesus Christ. And before I get into this Christmas episode and I frame what I want to do here with this audio feature that I found from 2008 when we were on FM radio, I believe to be exact, the date was December 17th, a Thursday night back in 2008 our final show of the year before we broke for the Christmas holiday when we hung up the headphones and turned the mics off for a two-week time frame one of my biggest memories of Christmas Andy was just getting up Christmas morning as a young kid and going down to the family room here in the back of my home here in New Jersey and just the anticipation of that unexpected Christmas gift that I was just excited about and a Christmas gift that you thought you weren't going to get but you found under your tree and as a kid growing up those were all of my great memories of the Christmas holiday. I find an amusing commercial these days where the little kid gets this big package and he's all excited because he got Liberty Mutual uh, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a dumb commercial. It's, but it's funny that the, the other kid's disappointed because he got a bike and the mom is just trying to smile for the camera like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that makes radio special and the reason why I've always wanted to get into this the broadcast business is because you know that there's a listener that's always wanting more every time they turn on the radio or they turn on a respective podcast or they turn on a respective audio piece that they're searching the internet to listen to whether that's a piece of news or a piece of political news or whatever it may be radio has always been there to appetize that specific listener for whatever they were going out there wanting to listen to on a daily basis and we quote it as theater of the mind in the broadcast business and that's what always made radio special so back in the day when we were hosting on fm radio on wnti you know i wanted to bring a little christmas flavor 
for the time of the year that we all celebrate, and I wanted to bring it to the airwaves. So I am going to go back to a piece we did in 2008, and I think Andy's going to be a little surprised when he hears what I was able to gather from the audio vault. Now, we broadcasted, Andy, over 572 shows for the four and a half years that we were on WNTI FM. And in those 572 shows we broadcasted, this is probably one of the most signature moments that stood out on the airwaves at WNTI. So are you ready for this? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Here? Yeah, we kept at it even in the summertime, and uh, we kept at it. Yeah, we were, we were out there week after week. Now, when you go back to the WNTI show, she's been on this broadcast. We welcomed her from the great state of California. She works at Nickelodeon. We had Queen Jay in the, in the mix back in the day. She used to have her daily sports gossip segments once an hour for the two hours we were on. She also gave the weather every hour after the 1020 and 1120 break. She'd give the weather. That was mandated by WNTI as part of their programming format. We had NPR. Yes, we did at the top of every hour. But she was also instrumental in coming up with creative segments and creative ideas. However, I must take credit and say, Andy, that this one segment bit that I'm about to play was all me. This was my entire idea, and it threw Queen Jay a little off guard. So without further ado, here is the bit from 2008 when we were on the air right before the Christmas holiday on 91.9 WNTI-FM in Hackettstown. Enjoy this, folks, and we'll be back on the other side to reminisce about this bit. Welcome to this special holiday edition of the Sports Buzz with the Mayor of the Walrus, Harlan Jeffries, Queen Jay. We're going to have a Sports Buzz Christmas caroling competition, and we talked about it all week. Queen Jay mentioned it last week. I figured we had to do it, and we're going to do it. And we're going to start off with Andy. I'm not getting involved in this. I'm more of a judge. That's but really everybody a shame, else but... will be. <laughs> well, nobody this wants is, to hear my voice. This, is, a, uh, this is an, an ordinary gift, I have to say. It's an ordinary <laughs> gift, but gift? after Queen Jay mentioned it, I said, you know what? She mentioned it to the audience. They'll be expecting it, so let's do it. Gift, <laughs> gift belongs in like font size 72 quote marks (laughs) (laughs) well uh, listen we're gonna do it we're gonna start off with andy who will be singing jingle bells arf 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 Meow, 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 meow. Kevin is losing it here. Arf, 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 ar
like that was good. I like the way you did that, Andy. I'm not really sure what that was, but <laughs> well, well, we'll go with it. I guess he tried to do a sports version. Uh, a singing, well, singing dog. Well, now I don't with know a little cat in there I don't too. have some clever rendition prepared. You need a clever rendition. Oh, you could do any God. song here. <laughs> should I? <laughs> should should you what? Should, should you I, participate? You yes, you should. Should I hand you the microphone to give us? If I did that on the gong I, show, I would have been gone. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My version, that's right. All right, here we go. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him. As they shouted out with glee, yippee, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you'll go down in history. Yay! Very good. I'll tell you, you have a nice voice, Queen yeah. she, she can actually sing. You really do. That. You really do. She can carry a tune so without was, fumbling it. That was Queen J with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Next up, we have... I don't know if I can compete with that. Queen Jay's friends, and uh, she will be singing Frosty the Snowman. My voice is kind of going, but I'll try. Okay. (laughs) Frosty the Snowman. Out of very. I don't really remember it. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I just lost. Like, oh, God, only on the sports. Winner of the corn cob pipe and I a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman. I don't know the words. Was a jolly happy soul. happy soul. With a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman. You made my Christmas day. Making pies and apples and candy canes, and I ate them all the way. Woo! Very good, right? Listen, we could change the words around here. And now... Was a fairy tale, they say, uh, how he came to life one day, right? Exactly. To, To end this finale of Christmas caroling, we will have Harlan Jeffrey singing White Christmas. I'm no Bing Crosby, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay, Harlan. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be white Wow, Harlan! Hey, he can actually I'll tell sing. You, 
That was impressive. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And you were up to bring Crosby standards. That's right. We, we actually had two people who could sing. Okay. Listen, I'm going to go around the studio now and ask your opinion on who you feel did the best job in this Christmas caroling competition. We'll start off with Queen J. Andy's was really creative. Harlan's was very sultry. Erica's was comical. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm everything. allowed to vote for my own, but I'm not going to anyway. Both Andy's and Erica's were similar in the comedic value department, so I'm going to vote for Harlan because he took a different route and his uniqueness okay. won the vote for me. So one for Harlan. Now I'm going to go over to Andy. <laughs> and Andy, we saw Jen sing Rudolph. We saw Erica sing Frosty. And we saw Harlan sing White Christmas. Who do you believe was the best here tonight? Well, I was going to vote for Jen until Harlan unveiled those golden pipes <laughs> and actually uh, had a rendition that I enjoyed listening to. Do you remember when the Drifters did White Christmas yes. and they had that boom, boom, in the background? I'll vote for Harlan and a close one. Uh, Jen, uh, a very respectable second place. Okay, uh, Erica, who did you like in tonight's competition? I believe that <laughs> if we're picking the best educational and very extra professional voice i will definitely go with harlem hey harlem clinched it well thank you and lastly yours truly i thought everybody <laughs> did a great job here tonight on this program with their christmas caroling but you know when you bring bing crosby into it it doesn't get any better than that. I think Queen J, I think you had a solid voice. I think you have a good <laughs> voice for singing. I thought Erica's rendition of Frosty was very good, but I sensational. Think, yes, sensational. Mm -hmm. Sensational. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we just had a caller. He didn't want to go on the air, but he wants to recommend random drug testing for the sports buzz. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's an avid listener. Well, he loves the show. Well, thank you. I will also give it to Harlan. Oh, so, sweet. I Harlan, Wait, I get to vote, right? Harlan votes. Y you know what? Yeah. I <laughs> it's, well, Sorry, it's like Harlan. the pro ball. It's kind of okay. like, yeah, after the, uh, yeah, after the, after the climax. Right. <laughs> let's go with Harlan. And we know Harlan can't vote for himself, so let's see who he votes for. I, I'm going to vote for Andy. Really? Why? Yeah. Uh, just because. Because it made you it, laugh? Because it made me laugh. <laughs> All right. You know, um, I couldn't tell if at first, when he went into Meow, I realized that it was a dog. But before that, I didn't know if he was doing Arf or Farve. I thought it was like farf. a sports. Yes, far, far, far. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Supported you far, far, far. Far, far, far. Far, 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 far. Congratulations to Harlan Jeffries, who will be king, the Christmas caroling <laughs> The Christmas caroling the king. <laughs> that as, and $2 yeah. will get you on a uh, on the next next year <laughs> right at the Hackerstown anyway. football games, we'll be introducing him as the Christmas Caroling King. Yeah. Oh no, Harlan's going to be welcomed into WRNJ a new way. Welcome, Christmas Carol King. Oh boy, Carol King. Carol King. Uh, That's pretty funny. Hope everybody enjoyed the Christmas Caroling competition and a Christmas memory here on the Sports Buzz. As in my opinion. 
Andy, I just felt that that was one of our signature moments on FM radio. And when I go back to that night and I go back to that studio and the Christmas caroling competition, I never forget that when we went back to the airwaves after the Christmas break, I think for four or five weeks straight, we ended up getting phone calls on what a great segment that was, that we needed to institute that every year as a Christmas special. And it was just a signature moment for the program. Well, you know, Arlen, uh, one talented guy, he did the best Howard Cosell imitation I've ever heard. And uh, since so Harlan could do such a good Howard Cosell, I decided to be Dandy Don Meredith. And I used to close Packetstown uh, football games on WRNJ with this following song, which I have to give Dandy Don credit for because he used to do it on Monday Night Football. But turn out the lights, the party's over. They say that all good things must end. Turn out the lights, the party's over. This time next week, we'll do it all again. <laughs> that was a good rendition, Andy. A lot of Hackettstown football games. <laughs> so, Andy, did you remember this particular bit back from 2008? And once you it heard it, were you surprised? Yeah, it kind of came back to me. I, I remember Harlan... Uh, he wasn't able to do it too often, but he always uh, brought his talents to our shows now and then because, uh, you know, Harlan was still working at WRNJ in those days. You know, Harlan actually did some work on WFAN a couple of years later. He was an update anchor for a little while. I believe his first yeah. update report, believe it or not, was with Steve Summers when he began the 12 12- a.m. hour, a Saturday morning at 12 a.m., yeah. Steve Summers welcomed Harlan yeah. Jeffries onto WFAN, and Harlan gave his first 2020 update on the Schmoozer show. Harlan and the Schmoozer. <laughs> yeah, I remember we did a show on WRNJ uh, for a while called the Big Six Sports Hour. It was Harlan and the Walrus, yours truly. <laughs> Yeah, Harlan is a good guy. I've I've kept up with him a little bit on um, LinkedIn. Maybe in 2023, we can just get Harlan to come on the Sports Buzz and reminisce with us and chat about sports and go back to what it used to be from the old days. When you listened to that uh, bit, Andy, from 2008, did you think it was funny? Did you think it was an appealing uh, bit for the audience? Because I remember we got a lot of fanfare from that bit. You gotta, you gotta have some personality in radio. You do. You know, it gets too dry. It gets too dry if it's all uh, stats and uh, you know predictions and uh, you know just reviews of the games and uh, you know you gotta liven it up now and then. <laughs> That's a great memory. It is. And, and, you know, I have so many shows, and I go back to some of the shows we did on occasion, and I look for little bits that I think can enhance what we're doing now here on the sports buzz and to see how far we've come as a radio entity and an audio property and to see what we do now on a weekly basis and what we did then 
we've really fine-tuned ourselves to really be a top-tier sports talk program week in and week out. And part of that is because of what you bring to the airwaves weekly, Andy. And part of that is because of my past experience working in radio, my familiarity with the broadcast business, and knowing what excels for the listeners and what they want on a daily basis. And I couldn't be more grateful to do this and do this with you weekly well you know uh i come like uh, with a, a philly background here and philly sports radio can really get crazy like they've done the wing bowl make it a big event you know people eating all these food eating contests you know uh eating scrapple and uh <laughs> the worst things you can eat in huge quantities uh, you know that, that's funny. Uh, you know Philly. Philly's pretty raucous and rogue sometimes in that respect. But uh, you know it works. People listen. The sour thing right now with the business as a whole is, you know, I've worked in the broadcast business, and prior to my current position as an audio engineer. I was in commercial radio working behind the scenes in every phase in the New York market for a news talk station for eight and a half years to garner the necessary experience needed to move to the next level of my career and going through the college ranks and hosting the sports buzz back in the day on FM radio, you always knew that you had a service to provide the audience with not only the most up-to-date pertinent information that you could but you also had to be creative you also had to be entertaining and you also had to find a niche with your listener that was coming to you on a weekly basis and the one thing I find now is that that niche really isn't there with a lot of these daily hosts that go to the airwaves and provide a service of talking sports or being an AM talk show host whether it's political talk or news talk. You know, I don't find that personal relationship with the host and listener like you did back in the day. And I always felt that the sports buzz was that old school radio brand. And these days, unfortunately, Andy, you don't have a lot of that on AM radio and and it's really missed. And you don't hear a lot of those type of unique bits that we did back then now on radio. You just don't. Yeah, it's a, you know, everything's a balance. I, I guess being a Libra, I'm always into harmony and balance and all that. I mean, uh, through the years, uh, I think, uh, well, when do I turn on the radio? Well, either I want to be entertained by music or I want to, you know, just keep up with what's going on out there, you know, because the sports world, you know, I've told Adele many times, uh, sports never stops, it never rests, it just keeps going. There's new stuff happening every day and you you know, you want to just keep up, but uh, it's got to be entertaining too. And uh, I think we had a little bit of everything with that Christmas segment. Yeah, that was. Uh We did, and when you look at commercial radio right now as a whole, Andy, you don't have much of that entertainment factor or value behind the daily brand of what you're going to that particular station for on a day-in, day-out basis. And recently, another old-timer retired in the business, and he was an FM jock for many years. He started on Z100 with the Z Morning Zoo, and then he went to WPLJ with Scott and Todd in the morning, and then he took his Hall of Fame radio talents to 
WCBS-FM and hosted a successful morning show called The Big Show with Scott Shannon and Patty Steele. And he did his final show last Friday from Blythdale Hospital in um, the Valhalla area. And he ended his reign on FM radio. So you continue to lose the big name. And behind the big name, you continue to lose the entertainment value that that big name provided for a very long time on the microphone day in and day out and Scott Shannon was a huge name as a radio jock in this city and in this town. Scott Shannon had the jukebox from hell and all kinds of sound effects there. You ever catch that? Yes. He'd get these real corny sappy songs uh, which you know uh, uh, are out there. And he'd play them, but, you know, in the context of, well, this is this is uh, the hell part of uh, popular radio. <laughs> oh, he was funny. Scott Shannon was a trip. Yeah. So with that said, Andy, any final thoughts on this segment before we break and come back and give our NFL picks and wrap up this Christmas edition of the Sports Buzz? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody. I've played Santa Claus a few times, and I'm kind of a large human, and it kind of uh, fits me. Can I ask you, when you've played Santa Claus, where did you play Santa Claus? It's funny, I did it in Belvedere and in Washington, also at the firehouse. Uh, You know, I guess uh, people thought I'd be a big hit with the kids, and, uh, you know, it it was fun. It's a special experience to have a kid on your lap, and you can tell if the kid really believes you're Santa Claus. That's like a surreal type of experience. Then you also have the pain in the neck kids are who, who are too old to be there, who try to be a pain in the neck because they don't believe anymore. But, uh, you know, those parents should just keep those kids away from Santa Claus. I'm 37 now. One of my biggest highlights, Andy, growing up as a younger kid was every Christmas season, and particularly around my birthday, which falls right on December 10th every single year, I always went up to a local mall here in northern New Jersey called the Willowbrook Mall. It's based out of Wayne. And every year they had a Santa Claus, but they just didn't have a Santa Claus in a red suit with a red hat and a fat pudgy face with uh, glasses hanging off his nose. They had a signature Santa Claus called the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. And this... Santa Claus had white hair, a real white beard, and he sat in the middle of the mall in a state-of-the-art stand that he would be sitting in to take pictures with all the little kids, and he wore the old-fashioned work shirt with the suspenders and the pants and the boots. And he had the real beard with the real hair. And when you thought of Christmas, you thought of St. Nicholas and this Coca-Cola Santa Claus year in and year out. And growing up as a little kid and getting really excited for the holiday every single year. One of my best memories was visiting this Coca-Cola Santa Claus at the Willowbrook Mall year in and year out. You know, it's an amazing uh, memory I have of doing Santa Claus in Belvedere, which for those of you who don't know, that's like on the Pennsylvania border in Warren County, uh, Northwest Jersey, right across the river from, I believe it's, um, um, Bangor, Pennsylvania, on the other side of Delaware there. 
this woman who uh, asked me to do it, who was uh, a, an officer of the Belvedere Chamber of Commerce, uh, her daughter believed in Santa Claus. So she was very careful, you know, about uh, making sure that when I dressed up to become Santa Claus, she kept her daughter away so she wouldn't see me dressing up to become Santa Claus, you know. And uh, then she, you know, when the whole thing was over and she was in bed and uh, then, you know, she put the Santa costume back in the box and put it wherever she stored it. And then uh, one day she told me that her daughter was snooping around and she found that box and opened it up and she saw the Santa suit. And she ran to her mom and said, Mommy, Mommy, Santa's in this box. <laughs> <laughs> She still believes. She just thought Santa was uh, spending the summer in that box. Yeah, that, that, that amazed me. You know, that, that, that her, her belief in Santa was that strong that she still thought that was Santa. Hey, Andy. Children, uh, they could amaze you. They could, and it is a magical time of the year every year. And the Christmas season is one that everybody comes to enjoy year in and year out. And those memories are fun to talk about and we had fun sharing a Christmas memory and a sports buzz memory with you from back in the day on in 2008 on 91.9 WNTI FM and what I ask all of you listeners to do weekly besides listening in to this very broadcast is I ask you to spread the word about Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu and all the passionate sports talk we bring to the airwaves week in and week out and pass Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. Sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com for your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on anything happening in the world of sports. We're going to come back with our Week 16 NFL picks, and we are going to wrap up this pre-Christmas episode of the Sports Buzz as we are just a little over an hour away from the start of the Christmas holiday, Christmas Eve. And growing up in an Italian family, all of the years that I have, Christmas Eve was always the big part and the big night of our Christmas holiday and the eve and the anticipation and the wonder and joy of knowing what Christmas Day will bring makes it that much more enjoyable year in and year out. We're going to take a time out. When we come back on the other side, we will wrap up this edition of the Sports Buzz, episode number 11, with our picks right after these messages. After I came home from Iraq, I could still hear the booms. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. 
been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. The popular song Santa Baby, a Christmas classic, brings us into this final episode of this December 23rd, 2022 edition of the Sports Buzz as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu welcome you back to the Sports Buzz. And every week yeah, that's we... That's the old uh, Eartha Kitt song. Yes, it is. Eartha Kitt. And Taylor Swift have done versions of that lately but uh, Eartha Kitt the original still the greatest she is the greatest and you gotta go to the original and the greatest Andy when you talk about Christmas songs and special Christmas albums whether that's Frank Sinatra Andy Williams or Eartha Kitt you gotta get the original when you listen to old-time Christmas music it makes it all that much more enjoyable and there's been many songs remastered by other artists out there, but this one is done the greatest by Eartha Kitt, who originally sang this. With that said, let's get into one of our fun segments that we do week in and week out in the NFL season. For entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yes. In the league where they play for pay, no less. And in week 14, Andy, I had a dismal bad week where I went 1-3. and three. I own an overall record of 24-19-1. And, and as we get ready for week 16, you're three games up on me because you ended week 14 with an undefeated record at 4-0 and oh with no losses. So you moved to 27-16-1. So... I love you like a pal, buddy, but I got to hope you lose three games this week, and I got to hope that I can find my way of winning three games to make this a competition, as you seem to be doing better than I am with the picks for this NFL season. So with that said, why don't we kick off our picks for week number 16 in the league where they play for pay? Okay, so the fun thing about the Christmas holiday is you get a slate of games on Saturday, you get three good matchups on Sunday, and you still get your Monday night national ESPN game of the week. And looking at the games for this week beginning tomorrow, I will go to the New Orleans Saints game as they travel to Cleveland and take on the Browns with a real field temperature of 22 degrees at kickoff tomorrow at 1 o'clock in Cleveland, Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, who are 6-8, and eight, will look to win after they had a big win last week against the Ravens. 
Their defense stepped up, and their ground game was key. They will have to garner that momentum this week at home as they get ready to take on a 5-9 Saints team who has underachieved and hasn't played well this season. And listen, really this game is going to come down to the Saints defense trying to tame the Cleveland offense. And if Cleveland and Deshaun Watson can go out there and make big plays, and if Cleveland can run the football and have their ground-and-pound attack in full force, then I think they're going to find their way to go to 7-8, and eight, and I think they're going to find their way to try and fight for playoff positioning in the AFC. The Browns are favored by three in this game. I think they're going to win by six. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. There's not going to be a ton of points. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. And it's going to be a 13-7 victory for the Cleveland Browns over the New Orleans Saints in game number one. Game number two. They've been a great storyline all year. And Geno Smith has had some great offensive Weeks leading the Seattle Seahawks on the football field, but this is a tough task for a young Seattle team with a veteran head coach and Pete Carroll to go to cold and frigid Kansas City and take on Andy Reid and the Chiefs, who are battling for a one spot and a first round bye in the AFC for playoff positioning and listen if Mahomes has a big game throwing the football and if the Chiefs offensive game plan excels like it has thus far I don't think the Seattle Seahawks are going to have a shot at winning this game Seattle they've lost two in a row they find themselves in a pressure situation. You wouldn't have really had them in postseason talk at the start of this season, but they've been worthy of that because they've had some big wins. They've gotten some key victories, but this is too much of a tough ask for them to go out there and get a W in an upset special in Kansas City. I think Mahomes is going to have a great game. I think the Kelsey's going to do what he does at tight end. I think you're going to get some contributions from Valdez Scambling and the receiving core of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to continue to run the ball up the gut and down the throat of the opposing defense. And the Chiefs are going to be the last one laughing when they win this game 31-20 to over the Seattle Seahawks, game number two. Game number three, boy, have they been a feel-good story. Boy, do they play hard for their head coach, and they are eyeing a postseason berth as they've been exciting to watch, and they've been led by their offensive quarterback in Jared Goff, who's had a fantastic season, over 3,000 yards in the air, 23 touchdowns through the first 15 weeks of this NFL season and all the Lions need to do is go out and win three more consecutive games and they can look at some January postseason football and they can get a key victory this week against the Carolina Panthers team that has had some upheaval this season. They fired their head coach Matt Rule. Baker Mayfield ended up not being the starting quarterback that they wanted him to be. They shipped him 
elsewhere, and the Carolina Panthers with interim head coach Steve Wilkes are in rebuild mode, and this is going to be a tough fight for them as Detroit, they're favored by two and a half. I think they're going to win the game by 10, 20 to 10 over the Carolina Panthers, game number three. And my final game will be the Christmas Day game at 1 o'clock. This has postseason implications on the line for two franchises. A Green Bay Packers team led by Aaron Rodgers and a Miami Dolphins team who got off to a fast start with Tua Tungavailoa at quarterback but find themselves in a hole in a competitive AFC conference and they need a win in the worst way to try and get to the postseason for this 2022 NFL season. They're coming off of a tough loss in the snow in Buffalo in Orchard Park last Saturday and Tyreek Hill will need to have a big game and the defense will need to tame Aaron Rodgers force a few turnovers and try and win that way to beat the Green Bay Packers if Green Bay can make some big plays if Rodgers can scramble and get out of the pocket and confuse the Dolphin defense then I think the Packers have a shot to win but if the Dolphins can make some big plays and if their defense can do its job sack the quarterback and stop the ground game of Green Bay I think the Dolphins can win the game I think it's going to be a high scoring affair I think it's going to come right down to the final few minutes but when all is said and done I think Miami laying three and a half finds a way to prevail and they beat the Packers 34-30 game number four so my four games Browns over the Saints, 13-7. Chiefs over the Seahawks, 31-20. Lions over the Panthers, 20-10. And the Dolphins beating the Packers in a close one, 34-30. Andy. All righty. Uh, by the way, speaking about the Cleveland Browns, uh, they've got Nick Chubb over there. He needs uh, two rushing touchdowns. That would make him the third Cleveland Brown to score 50 in a career. The other two are a couple of real good ones, Jim Brown and Leroy Kelly. So wow. Nick Chubb's got a chance to be in some uh, upper echelon company if he gets a couple of rushing TDs in that game with uh, New Orleans. Okay, uh, of course, my, uh, my favorite focus is always those Philadelphia Eagles, and they've got certainly a tough one at Dallas. It's at Dallas, and the Eagles are without their uh, quarterback, who's actually the subject of some MVP talk this year after a season he's had. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm as surprised as anybody at, the, at what they've gotten out of uh, uh, quarterback. He went through a learning curve uh, season last year, but now Jalen Hurts has been uh, right on top of things. But he won't be there this week, and the Eagles don't need to push them. They're 13-1. and one. They're in the playoffs. They are shooting for the best record in the conference, which would give them home field throughout as well as a first-round bye. But uh, Dallas is still in the picture there, and Dallas is menacing. Uh, and uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one for Philly, but uh, the Eagles have uh, their tight end, Goddard, back, who uh, missed most of this season. The thing that I think will win it for the Eagles, though, is the Eagles' uh, defensive line that's been getting lots of good sacks. 
and uh, putting a lot of heat on quarterbacks. And Dak Prescott's been kind of shaky this year. He's had his good games and bad games, and he's made his mistakes. I think uh, the Eagles' uh, defensive line can rattle him a little bit. And I think the Eagles will come away with a 24-20 win. So that's game number one. Now for game number two, we've got the Giants playing at Minnesota again. This is on the road, and Minnesota, I think, is a much better team at home than they are on the road. The Giants, though, have a lot to play for, and the Giants have looked good recently. Uh, Daniel Jones uh, threw the ball pretty well in that game against Washington, and uh, the, the basis of it all is Saquon Barkley running the ball hard and uh, making the defenses uh, put in some manpower to stop them, which opens up the passing game. The Giants have a good run-pass balance going on. They've They've got a lot to play for. They've got a good defense, too. So I am going to go with the Giants. Minnesota may be favored playing at home, but I think uh, the Giants, uh, with a lot of motivation and a good balance to their offense, are going to pull out a 28-24 to win against the high-scoring Minnesota Vikings. Also a big game uh, in the NFC East, uh, the Washington uh, I was going to say the Washington Nationals. If it was up to me, I'd call them the Washington Feds. <laughs> but you know, the Washington Feds, I think, would be an appropriate nickname for that team. But anyway, they call them the Commanders. We'll have to get used to it. Uh, they're at the 49ers, and the 49ers are, are streaking. Uh, not the kind of streaking they did back in the 70s when people would take their clothes off and run off the field. You know, not that kind of streaking. But uh, the, we're talking about a 49ers win streak in which the 49ers have had their quarterbacking issues, but their defense has just been so good and their personnel overall has been so good that they just kept winning. So even though Washington is really trying to hang in the playoff picture here, I will take the 49ers over the Washington Commanders 29-13. to So that is game number three. So I've got to look at this menu for game number four. And uh, there's good old Tom Brady uh, down at Arizona with his uh, Bucks, uh, who still have a chance to win what's been a pretty mediocre division this year. And Arizona can be tough at home, and uh, they've had some dramatics in that dome over there, the Desert Dome or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, they've got a player I like. Uh, I like these Penn State guys, and Trace McSorley at Penn State had just about all their quarterbacking record. Of course, they've thrown the ball more under James Franklin than they used to do under Joe Paterno. And uh, when, when Joe Paterno had guys like Franco Harris. But uh, even though I like uh, Trace McSurley and I'd like to see him do well, uh, the Bucks are in the playoff picture and a money game with Tom Brady, who still has got it. I'm going to have to pick the Bucks in that one, 23-12. to 12. So my four picks will be the Tampa Bay Bucks over the Arizona Cardinals, 23-12. Philly over Dallas, 24-20. Washington losing to the 49ers, 29-13. And the Giants winning at Minnesota. The G-Men have a lot to play for. Kind of a risky pick, but, you know, you've got to gamble here, you know. I think the Giants need the game. Giants 28-24. And there you have it. Those are our picks for week 16 in the league where they play for pay in a season that is dwindling down to its final three weeks as the Giants have a big game against Minnesota. 
The Jets lost a tough one to Jacksonville with their postseason aspirations fading quickly for the AFC. And the NFL season, Andy, we get eager and excited and amped up in September. And before you know it, it's Christmas time and it's nearing its end. And it just seems to be one of those sports where it flies by year in and year out. Yes, it does. We're already uh, starting to look at some January football, and uh, it's going to be some classic stuff. (laughs) Well, listen, folks, we came to you live tonight from the great state of New Jersey. Andy joined us remotely. I sat in my studio and gave you a pre-Christmas episode of the Sports Buzz with Andy Loigu. We discussed everything pertaining to what's happening in the world of sports and I got to sit here with my giant Christmas tree all lit up it's a New York football giant Christmas tree with all giant ornaments on it it's a small tree and maybe just maybe that'll be the good luck charm for the New York Giants to go in and pull off an upset against the Minnesota Vikings tomorrow afternoon in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And before we leave the airwaves, Andy, I just wanted to, um, one newsworthy thing. We started the show off tonight talking about the sad passing of Steelers' great running back Franco Harris. The public viewing will be in Pittsburgh at the Steelers Stadium, Akershire Stadium, this Tuesday, the 27th. So the public viewing for any fans in the Pittsburgh area will be at the stadium where the Steelers play this Tuesday, the 27th. If anybody listening in that region wants to go and pay their respects to Franco Harris, who passed away sadly at the age of 72 this past Tuesday, three days short of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. So with that said, Andy, any final thoughts before we close out this holiday edition of the Sports Buzz? Well, in this part of the part of New Jersey where I live, uh, this is uh, Franco Harris's home turf, and he had brothers who played at Penn State also, uh, the Harris family, and and a lot of people who remember Franco because it wasn't that long ago when he was playing for Rancocas Valley High School in Mount Holly. He was also a very good basketball player, something that probably a lot of people don't know, but, you know, he's just a good athlete. He excelled in more than one sport. Fort Dix, where Franco Harris was born, I just lived three miles away from that. I'm three wow. miles from Fort Dix, where uh, Franco was born, and, and Mount Holly is down Route 70, uh, you know, about halfway between here and Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is 40 miles. So uh, Franco, uh, you know, grew up in this neck of the woods down here in the Pines, and so uh, he's very special to uh, people who've lived here, and uh, and and uh, I've noticed it too as I've been out in the stores, and it's been a topic of conversation. Uh, as people are doing their Christmas shopping, and uh, people were were shocked. Uh, when they they heard the news that Franco had passed, uh, you know he was a great ambassador for the game of football even in his uh, uh, elder years because uh, that group of Pittsburgh Steelers players who won those four Super Bowls 
a special group and uh, football fans uh, will hold them dearly. So rest in peace, Franco Harris. We'll have to wait and see what the autopsy results show, but you would have to wonder if maybe it was a lingering effect of coronavirus or the flu or something of that magnitude, because as we said, his final interview with Chris Russo on Sirius XM Monday prior to um, the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which would have been 50 years today, uh, he sounded stuffy and he sounded a little nasally, so you would have to wonder if he was fighting something on the air during that interview, but our condolences go to his wife, his children, his family, and the passing of Franco Harris and the sad news that came down early Tuesday that he passed away at the age of 72. And when you think of Steeler greats, he is definitely in that category. Yeah, two-time Super Bowl MVP, four-time Super Bowl winner. And, uh, yeah, the report I read on a reputable Internet site uh, was simply that a doctor said he died of natural causes. Uh, but, uh, you know, n- no more specifics on what that could have been. So, well, it's uh, eh, that, that's sad. It's it is. Sad, but, uh, but uh, you know, the uh, Steelers, uh, it gives them more motivation to give it all they've got in this game to try to honor them. Yes, and with that, I'll be rooting hard for them, and I think they're going to find a way to win the football game and beat the Raiders and try and fight for postseason play. But, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to have them prepared, and they're going to play hard, and we look forward to that matchup, and it'll be an intriguing one to watch, to say the least. And with that said, Andy, I want to wish you and your wife Adele and your mother a very Merry Christmas and uh, we'll get back on the airwaves uh, next week for our final show of the 2022 uh, year. Thank you and same to you and your family and uh, and Merry Christmas to all the people who took the time to listen. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, I'm sure there's some of the Jewish persuasion also celebrate Hanukkah and don't want to overlook them. Or Kwanzaa. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, right. Uh, There's there's several different holidays, but they all have the common theme of uh, peace on earth and goodwill to men. And you've listened to a holiday edition of the Sports Buzz. I want to wish everybody an enjoyable Christmas weekend and holiday. And I hope you all gather and enjoy your families and watch some intriguing NFL matchups the next few days. And we'll be back with you next Friday, same place, same time, live here on Clubhouse. And we make it available for a podcast playback. We began this show with... We will rock you, and we will end this show with a little Christmas treat. We wish you a Merry Christmas. He was Andy Loigu. I was Kevin Wolf, and this was episode number 11 of the Sports Buzz on this Friday, December 23rd, the year 2022. Merry Christmas, folks. We will see you next week, same place, same time. Adios until next time. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish.